are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. Today is Saturday, September 18th. We are one day out from the Miami Dolphins Week 2 contest against the Buffalo Bills. It's bright and early on Saturday morning. We get a full slate of college football today. Lots to process. I'm your host here on Locked On Dolphins, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and today going to be constructing to the best of our ability an offensive and defensive game plan that is going to allow the Dolphins uh, to defeat the Buffalo Bills uh, in week two of the 2021 regular season, which is, of course, easier said than done because the Bills have owned this rivalry over the last three years or so to an exhausting degree. It is Bill's hate week. We've got the weekend left uh, because we do absolutely hate the fact that the Buffalo Bills have won the last five games in this matchup and seven of the last eight. Here's the good news. The formula for the Dolphins to come up with a winning outcome Uh, is really predicated on a lot of the same mantras that the Dolphins team has been receiving thus far in the 2021 season. Namely, start fast. Uh, You do not want to be chasing Buffalo by two touchdowns at home. And when I think about the Dolphins game from last year in Week 2, I think about the fact that this team did manage to have a slim lead going into uh, the fourth quarter, uh, but they could not close the deal. And why it's important to start fast is when you consider that game versus this game. The final score was uh, 31-28 to Buffalo, uh, a total of 29 combined points scored in the fourth quarter. Uh, Buffalo had 523 yards, Miami had 410. But when you take into account the scoring summary, Buffalo scored first. Buffalo then ripped off 10 unanswered in the second quarter uh, to make it 17-7 to Miami before Jason Sanders hit a field goal to end the first half, and then he hit a field goal in the third quarter to cut it to 17-13. And then Miami punched it in early in the fourth quarter uh, to take a 20-17 to lead before the Bills ripped off two touchdowns to go from down four to up 11. Uh, and Miami needed a late touchdown to cut it to a three-point margin and then could not get the onside kick. Miami had them where they wanted them in that game. Up 20-17 to in the fourth quarter. Just like they had Seattle last year, where they wanted them, late in the game, couldn't close the deal. Obviously, you wanted to score touchdowns and not field goals against Seattle. But in both of those games, Miami's home field advantage was negated by the fact that they did not get out on top early and apply more pressure early in the game. Home field advantage and the heat and humidity, and it's going to be 87 degrees with 67% humidity. It's going to feel like 97, and Buffalo has had two days in the last two weeks with a high over 80 degrees. 
right? Like the heat is absolutely going to be something in Miami's favor for an early one o'clock kickoff. But it only works in your favor if the other team is pressing, if they have to play at a faster pace because they're they're trying to close the gap, right? So all, Joe Rose talked about that on uh, the the show that we released yesterday in the afternoon. It's absolutely a factor. Miami needs to be able to get big plays on first down to initiate the tempo, right? I want to see the Dolphins implement tempo, but you don't do tempo when you get one yard on first down. You have to get yourself into a second and third and short situations to run tempo and run quick because tempo is only really appealing if you're stringing together first downs and moving the ball with consistency. Now, here's that's the good news. Miami did move the ball with consistency in both games against the Bills last year. It was finishing drives, getting in the end zone. When you play high-level quarterbacks, you're not going to win the exchange of field goal to touchdown when you're taking three versus getting seven. Miami literally just had the shoe on the other foot last week. They got in the end zone twice against the Patriots. New England got in once. They shouldn't have got in at all. Miami won the football game. So when I think about Miami, start fast. Another successful opening script. Hopefully you got a couple of them baked up so we can go down the field and um, tackle Buffalo's defensive adjustments as best as we possibly can. Get a number of scoring drives early, preferably getting into the end zone. And I think offensively, from that point, as long as you're getting chunk get chunk gains on first down, you can go into tempo and really apply pressure and start to wear them out. Home field advantage is great, but if the other team's up 10 points in the second quarter and they go on cruise control for the entire third quarter, you're not really going to apply pressure. How do you do that schematically, offensively? I think you got to run right downhill at Ed Oliver. Uh, this is not the kind of guy you want to pull the guard away from and let him get in the guard's hip pocket and trace the play. He'll run it down. Uh, you got a bunch of big-bodied ass kickers in the middle. You are bigger than Buffalo up front. You got to be able to move them. How you build the RPOs off of that, I was encouraged by what the Dolphins did with the RPOs last week. There were some free access throws in which you're facing soft coverage that you just take it, you preempt the mesh, and you just zip it out there and let a guy run. That's all got to continue to be on the table. But, uh, you know, they, they ran a lot of slant bubble or slant flat. Buffalo's going to creep on that. They're going to try and sit on that. So I would love to see like a sluggo, just a quick quick concept and if you catch the corner driving and attacking you could still come out of the mesh point and and put one up over the top and force them to respect your your ability to get vertical I think that's you need to do more of that against Buffalo than what you did against New England and it's kind of the the gamesmanship on the perimeter you know the the RPO pass game and, and the short passing game underneath that's going to serve as your extension of the run game outside because they, the Bills do have two very fast-to-flow linebackers in Tremaine Emmons and Matt Milano that if you just are content to run up the middle unless you're overwhelming those guys and getting double-team push up into the lap of the linebackers to fit them up, they're going to crowd, and then 
Micah Hyde and Jordan Poirier are going to roll up behind it. And I don't think that's necessarily... you got to be balanced. You can't just attack up the middle, but you need to have success running the ball in between the tackles. Predominantly B-gap to B-gap, you got to be able to create push and get four or five yards. Well, silver lining. They did 3.85 against New England. I think New England is a much more stout front. I think they're going to give you much more crowded looks than what Buffalo will, so I think that's doable. And then offensively, I think you got to be in your bag, man. In this game, five straight, seven out of eight. Throw the damn kitchen sink at them, man. Be in your bag. Be fearless on fourth downs. Have some specials cooked up. And when I refer to specials, I mean like unique plays that are meant to create a big play. Double reverse. That kind of stuff. Have a couple of those ready to go. And don't coach scared offensively. Gonna have to keep the foot on the gas. Uh, I would say first team to twenty eight is probably gonna win the football game. So whatever that looks like for Miami, I think that's that's a pretty clear objective. You got to get to twenty eight first, and then we'll assess where we're at. Uh, obviously, Will Fuller not being available is a tough loss. Albert Wilson has to step up. And I don't know if that's going to be Albert Wilson directly in a one-for-one taking Will Fuller's reps or if they're going to take Jalen Waddell and put him in some of Will Fuller's reps on downfield targets and then have Albert Wilson take uh, Jalen Waddell's reps in those instances. I think you will see more spread with Buffalo running predominantly. They're predominantly a cover-three zone defense. Um, More bodies. To kind of stress and tempt that middle of the field safety. In route combinations, I think is necessary. I don't think you'll see the same degree of 12 personnel that we saw against um, New England. That would be my anticipation in this game. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like candy bar. So if you're looking for a top of the first round, a first place in the AFC East caliber protein bar. Built Bar is exactly what you're looking for. They got 100% chocolate on all their bars. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They've got everything you need. So whether you're looking for something keto-friendly, something to grab and go, something to smash post-workout, uh, something to eat in the middle of the night while you're driving to work, you name it, Built Bar can be it. Right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. This all obviously goes without saying, like all of the stereotypical win the turnover battle and convert on third down and be efficient in the red zone, like all that, that has to apply. You can't not do those things and beat a team like Buffalo. Pittsburgh beat Buffalo last week, thanks in large part due to a team on uh, play on special teams. That is an area that I would absolutely positively hold the Dolphins up against most teams across the NFL and say that you have a reasonable chance of outperforming the other team on the other side. So even if you don't do all of the things that we just got done outlining on offense, run the ball downhill in between the guards or in between the tackles, 
B-gap to B-gap. Sprinkle in some vertical counters in your RPO looks, whether that's you, you convert it to play-action blocking, but the perimeter movement is the same and get a sluggo involved. Keep them off balance. Force them to respect the fact that you can get vertical. Even without Will Fuller, you're still going to have speed. Find ways to manufacture chunk gains on first down so that you can go tempo and really wear these guys out. All of that aside, you, you will need to do the majority of those things. But if you don't do all of those things, what you need to be able to then do uh, is have winning special teams play. And that's something the Dolphins are very realistically capable of doing. Now, defensively, this is the million-dollar question, right? Because everybody asks, how in the hell do you stop Josh Allen? Most people seem to have better answers to that than the Dolphins have historically. Uh, but we're, we're hopeful here. Uh, Doug Farrar had put together, uh, Doug Farrar of Touchdown Wire, is a colleague in the, the Dolphins Wire Gannett parent company, uh, put together some interesting notes. I'm going to read this excerpt. Against five or more pass rushers in 2020, Josh Allen completed 150 of 226 passes for nearly 1,800 yards, 21 touchdowns, and two interceptions. The Pittsburgh Steelers had the NFL's third highest blitz rate in 2020, 40.3% behind only Baltimore and Miami. Blitz Josh Allen on just 1.8% of their defensive snaps last Sunday. Last Sunday against the Patriots, the Dolphins blitzed on 52.5% of their snaps behind only the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In week one against the Patriots, the Dolphins blitzed on 25 of their defensive plays. In week two of the 2020 season, Miami blitzed Allen just 15 times and ranked 8th in positive play rate allowed. Week 17, Miami blitzed Allen 21 times. That 53% blitz rate ranked 1st in the NFL in Week 17, and they ranked 29th in positive play rate allowed. So if you're processing this, and the, the, they did not blitz Josh Allen anywhere near the degree of aggressiveness in Week 2 that they did in Week 17. And in Week 2, they were... Eighth in the league and, and number one being good in positive play rate allowed. In week 17, they were 29th when they blitzed him at 53%. Getting pressure with your base front and trying to fool him by changing the picture in coverage is the answer. Now, there's no guarantee. You've got guys that get home, but this is why you went out and you got Adam Butler. People are, I cannot uh, overstate how valuable Adam Butler as a pass rush chess piece is to this Dolphins front. Because the stunt games, and I saw how it's put together the clips of Jay, every snap that Jalen Phillips had, and everybody asking, why is he going inside all the time? Those are designed stunts. I'm not going to say that the Dolphins are going to stunt the hell out of the Bills' front either because, as Joe Rose pointed out yesterday, the Bills did as good as anybody in the entire NFL in blocking up Miami's stunt packages on 5-0 protection last year. But you didn't have Adam Butler. Who was Adam Butler last year? 300-pound interior defensive lineman who knows how to knock offensive linemen off of their set and manufacture gaps for loopers to come in behind him and get interior pressure. Jalen Phillips had one of the top five get-offs in football last week. 
Yeah, he didn't get home because Mac Jones had an average A dot of like five yards. Of course he didn't get home and the ball's out on average in like 2.3 seconds. You're not going to consistently sack that rate of getting the ball out of your hands. I thought Jalen Phillips, the, the number of instances in which they gave him a chance to just rush off the edge, I thought he looked really good. His outside speed, the hand counters he illustrated, he showed some willingness to flat. The ball was just out of his hands, and he was rushing from a wide nine, so he, he was a little bit more wide-angled. When they had him loop inside, just like the preseason, he's close, man. He's really close. I think from a pressure rate perspective, he's going to be perfectly fine. But you need Phillips, you need Adam Butler, and you need two other guys to be a consistent pain in the ass. Emmanuel Ogba can be one of them. Ogba looked great against New England. Now, granted, he didn't play Trent Brown the entire game. But who's going to step up? If those guys can win their individual matchups and Miami can play seven in coverage, it gives you the best chance to force mistakes. And when Josh Allen runs, as Joe Shad pointed out, he's got nine fumbles in his last 10 games. The Dolphins just put the ball on the ground three times, made the Patriots put the ball on the ground three times in week one. If you want to run and be a wild stallion, that's great. I think Miami's got better team speed overall. I think they got better speed in the front. This is where it gets important that you have these safeties out there. You got to be able to run them down and hunt them down. And when you get to them, you got to keep that focus on punching the football out. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron. Teams are back for the start of yet another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. With a new updated site and interface with even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Xavier Howard, in my opinion, has to cover Stephon Diggs. I feel fairly well that Miami and Byron Jones can handle Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, and then it becomes, who are you going to ask, whether it's McCourty, which I think is a good option. Uh, who's covering Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis? And potentially Isaiah McKenzie. Nick Needham's going to fill one of those roles. Jason McCourty, I think, is probably going to have a little bit more. I think you're, man, three safety looks in which you got McCourty who can play and, and match up against some of these wide receivers, I think is a home run. And then you got Rowe as well. I put Rowe on Gabe Davis. I put McCourty on Cole Beasley. I'm putting X on Stephon Diggs, and I'm putting Byron Jones on Emmanuel Sanders. And I'm at least taking my chances. Get some droppers underneath. You got a high post player in Javon Holland with some three safety looks with all that coverage appeal. And then if you're Jerome Baker 
or Andrew Van Ginkle or whoever else is on the field at any given point in time. I don't know if we're going to see a ton of Landon Roberts in this game because Buffalo's not going to come out with a bunch of tight ends and try and run the ball at you. <sighs> Just tackle, man. Just finish your tackle. If you play on the second level of this defense, you have to finish your tackle opportunities in the first opportunity you have at first contact. Do not give them extra yards because that's where explosives are going to come. They're going to try and air it out downfield. So that's why I want good on good. And they're going to try and take advantage of light boxes and break a tackle and get chunk gains and gouge you that way. I would expect continued focus on Ben don't break. I don't see any reason why they would get away from that script. That's kind of what they've been under Brian Flores. Is that all enough? To come up with a winning formula. As I said when I did the season preview, I had to I'm gonna be completely upfront here. I had the Dolphins finishing the year in my projection at the beginning of the season, eleven and six. I did not predict a win against the Bills. Because they have to show it to us at this point. We're talking five in a row and seven of eight. I believe they can do this. The script has to go the way they want it to. They cannot have adverse conditions and beat the Bills. So the script has to play out the way that they want it to, however they want it to look. I just gave you my version of that, and we'll see how much their version of that aligns when they hit the field tomorrow. They can win this football game. They can go to 2-0 and put the Bills at 0-2 and have a a 2.5 game lead on Buffalo through two weeks with 15 to play and another head-to-head coming in Halloween. They can do it, but they got to show it. They got to show that they're ready. And when we did the show a couple of weeks ago and we talked about the national media's perspective on the Dolphins and how they don't get any respect and instead of feeling sorry for the Dolphins, like I said, screw it, man. Go take what you freaking deserve, which is respect. Unbelievable to me that a team like San Francisco has one winning season in four years under Kyle Shanahan. And they got the third best Super Bowl odds. And Miami, with Brian, and you're going to point to coaching as the catalyst for why. And Brian Flores has outperformed expectations by four wins in each of the last two years. And this team's not in the top half of the league in Super Bowl odds. Get the hell out of here. It's bullshit. It's total bullshit. So go put it to bed, Miami. It's all right here for the taking. Execute. And, and, and I hope that they push the buttons. You know, they're not going to say it publicly, and I get why. But I hope that you push the buttons. And I hope, Brian Flores, you ask your team, all those guys who were here last year, to remember what it felt like on January 3rd when you got your asses handed to you. And you lost by 30 points. And you gave up 56 to a bunch of freaking backups in freezing cold Buffalo. Ask them what that felt like. And ask them if they want to feel that again. And if the answer is no, then you better go out there and kick Buffalo's ass today. If I'm Brian Flores before the game, that's what I'm saying. I'm tired of being this freaking doormat for the Buffalo Bills. And as tired as I am, I guarantee you, Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins are more tired of it than I am. Because for them, it should be personal. 
kind of joke all the time, oh, rivalries have to be two-sided. You can't have a one-sided rivalry. To hell with the Buffalo Bills, man. So sick of this team. This time last year, everybody felt the same way about the Buffalo Bills that they feel now about the Miami Dolphins. Oh, yeah, not legitimate, you know, same old Bills. <laughs> like, when are they going to go back to losing? And now all of a sudden, like, they're one of the golden children in football because they earned it. You get tired of being bullied, you go out, you punch the bully right in the face. And I hope the Dolphins do that tomorrow because I'm so sick of hearing about this streak for Buffalo. I'm so sick and tired of Miami being overlooked and not taken seriously. A win against Buffalo changes all of that. Maybe not overnight, but it's the next step in the process. And Miami's never going to get to where they want to be by playing road playoff games as the five seed or the six seed or the seven seed in the AFC because they can't beat the Bills. So go do it, Miami. I gave you my version of what I think it would look like. Let's see what you think it should look like. Go win the freaking game. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Have a great rest of your day. Fins up, and let's go. I'll talk to you after the game.